the Present in the Pain podcast, a weekly show that looks at the experience of pregnancy and child loss through the lens of the Catholic faith. I'm your host, Eileen Tully. This is the Present in the Pain podcast, and I'm Eileen Tully. And today we are going to continue with our series on the complexity of grief. Um, This is the first of the last two episodes in the series. So um, we've been talking about how grief is so complex and how the complexity can just uh, make it difficult to grieve with hope uh, unless we have an understanding of what is normal in grief and knowing that we're not alone. Because sometimes there are so many complicated areas and it reaches so far in so many areas of our lives that we can be tempted to despair and to just think that we are, there's no hope for ever recovering from the pain and the crushing feeling of the grief that we're experiencing in our child loss. But this week, we are going to talk about secondary losses. And um, not many people know what these are, or they don't recognize them as being a part of the grieving process. And I didn't I hadn't heard of these myself um, until I went to a grief share program that was being hosted by a Protestant church that was not too far from where I lived after our daughter's died. We watched a video series that was just teaching us about grief and uh, and how one of the thing one of the lessons was about these secondary losses and how they can just add to the complexity of our grieving. Now the group I was in was primarily um, widows. The la- they were ladies who had lost their husbands, and so for their experience, what they were being encouraged in was that their they didn't just lose the person of their husband, but in this lifetime of living with them, they also lost the person who maybe cooked dinner or they sang a certain song or they drove places together or they were the one who took the garbage out or changed the light bulb. They were a dance partner at a wedding. And so the idea was that Every time one of these situations comes up where that person would have filled a role, there's a fresh reminder of their absence. So for these women, you know, they they didn't just lose their husband and life partner, but all during the day or as the year went by, it was like the one who put the lights on the Christmas tree or the one who, you know, did these different things, played these different roles in their life together. And every new experience where that person wasn't there was just a fresh loss that they needed to grieve. And so this is a secondary loss. It's like what else we lose in addition to the person, in addition to the person themselves, what what roles did they play? What other area do we experience their absence? And how does that just sort of bring up, stir up that feeling of grief again? And we do need to grieve each one of those situations. So how does this look when we have lost a child? Because obviously, the difference here is that we don't have 
a lifetime maybe of experience with this person. We don't have that many voids, the empty places where they would be. But if we, if you've lost an older child or even a younger child, um, you you may experience these the way these widows did, so that you miss the way that they did certain things. You miss what they did on Christmas. Remember how they always used to tear into their present like this or, you know, sing a certain song this way or they loved doing this one particular thing. Every time that situation comes up again, the void of your child filling that role is there and that can just stir up sometimes unexpectedly these other things to grieve, these other places where they're missing. And it's just another sting of their absence. So of course, you know, on holidays and their birthday, of course, we feel their absence there, where, you know, their stocking isn't, maybe it is still on the mantle, but just, you know, it's where they would have been with their Easter basket or their stocking or their costume or something like that. And their birthday comes around. And of course, we expect to feel that pain. But there's also just like maybe the way they did something at the beach when you would go to the beach as a family, or they loved certain colors or certain flowers, or they would always chase butterflies in the summer. It's the, it's a an experience. It's a thing that they did that when it's missing, you feel the sting of that pain again. And that that kind of a loss can just prolong our grieving or just make it feel like, oh my gosh, it's so deep. It goes so far. It's, it's much farther than I thought with just them not being here. It's also them not doing these different things. And, and if we know that that's normal, that everybody feels that pain and that we're not alone in just like being re-wounded by those experiences or those really the lack of those experiences, then it can be, we can just remind ourselves, okay, this is part of grief too. This is part of losing somebody that we love. But the complication gets even deeper when we experience a baby or a pregnancy loss, like an infant or a pregnancy loss, because we are left just imagining what would or could or should be. And it's dangerous, (laughs) dangerous for us to use those words, but we really almost can't help ourselves to imagine where our child would be having those experiences. So this can start even in a pregnancy loss where we, maybe we lost our baby so early that we never even got to experience the nausea of pregnancy or the big belly and the maternity pants or trouble sleeping and the aches and pains that just come with being pregnant. And, you know, it can be even just hard to hear people complaining about those things when you know that you would have given anything to have gotten to that stage in your pregnancy. And so we had to grieve the loss of those experiences also. Um, picking out baby clothes or designing a nursery or having a baby shower. When we lose our pregnancy, we lose all of those experiences also. And so when people are celebrating those things or sharing their own experiences with them, it can just be a fresh wounding for us that we never got to experience those things ourselves. And that can 
complicate our grief. It can catch us off guard. And, you know, we, we expect to be sad around our due day. We expect to be sad on the anniversary of loss or things like that. But we, we sort of don't expect to, like, be freshly wounded by these other missing elements, these other secondary losses. Not only that, but as, as other people's children get older and they celebrate their first teeth and their first steps and their first day of school. And in it, it's this forward kind of loss where we are thinking about where our child, it would be our child's first day of school too, or they would be just going off to kindergarten this year because they would be five. There's that would and should and could words that are just so, so difficult and so complicating for things. And I actually wrote a blog post about this. I shared a series of um, of posts that I had written early in my grief. And when I say early in my grief, I mean two years, three years. I was still, <laughs> the wheels were still turning. I was still like just mulling over these kinds of things in my head and processing, processing, processing what what I was still grieving, what was still missing. I talk about these in a blog series on my website, which is EileenTully.com. And the series is called In the Raw, because it is just those raw, fresh areas that that I was still processing and still healing from in my grief. And there's a particular post called What Could Have Been. And in it, I talk about an NPR TED Talk that I was listening to one day by this, um, given by this Vietnamese teacher who taught, I believe he taught Latin and English maybe, but he was talking about the subjunctive mood in our language, in English, and how the subjunctive has a dark side. I think it was even called the dark side of the subjunctive or something like that. I was a former French teacher, so the subjunctive and I have an interesting relationship because sometimes my students would forget when to use it and I would forget when to use it sometimes. But subjunctive deals with this would have, could have, should have. It's like the hypothetical, what if this would have happened? And it's kind of like every O. Henry story that you've ever read is all based on the subjunctive, right? Like if he wouldn't have sold this, then she would have had that. And so the the idea of would have, should have, could have, he he the the person giving the TED talk was describing how in Vietnam, his family had had a near miss in, um, I think they were supposed to take a bus or a train, and they made a last minute change, and the one that they were going to have taken uh, ended up getting struck by artillery and exploding or something. Like, they, they would have all died if they had been on that bus or train. And so he was discussing the fact that now that he speaks English, he has the capability, because the English language has the subjunctive mood, to think about what could have happened to them, whereas in the Vietnamese language, that subjunctive mood doesn't exist. And so he was supposing that his Vietnamese family didn't spend time thinking about that close call that they had because they didn't even have the language for it. And I, my in my blog post, I just was 
trying to fathom how this could be, especially for a grieving mother and, you know, myself as, as my thoughts were so much consumed with would have, could have, should have, um, how would my life look different if I didn't even have those words, if I didn't even have the thought process to think about what would be or could be or should be different if our twins had lived, you know, what, it, what would our family look like if they were alive? So uh, I, I'm not 100% sure that his stance was right, or I'm curious to know if anybody has experience in a language that does not have the subjunctive, if it's true that you don't even have the capability of thinking that way. But I know for me in my grief, it was something that ate me up. <laughs> it was these thoughts, these secondary losses, thoughts about what our family would look like. We would be having this kind of birthday. We would have two more babies here. They would be, you know, it'd be like this to have identical twin daughters that we would dress them alike or, you know, what, what would it look like? And so it was these experience of secondary loss sort of processing in my head as what should our life be like if they were here? And one thing that I just want to encourage you that that just really brought peace to my mind because these can really consume your thoughts and it does they do settle down with time it's 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 hard to fathom that they will but they you know your mind just sort of calms down and comes to accept what is instead of thinking about what could be but the verse that really, really brought this home for me and helped me to settle down these thoughts was Psalm 139, verse 16, that says, Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. And so the thought that God, it, it should not be any other way than it is. God did not have a life planned for these children that we somehow screwed up and and it got taken away from them and like it should be like this but because of something stupid that happened we it's not like this rather he was in control and had ordained the days that they were supposed to live as they were being formed in the womb formed in our womb so even as an early miscarriage god ordained the days that were written for them before one of them came to be. And knowing that and just reminding myself of that, reminding myself of God's love for them, his love for me, the fact that he knows and is in control of everything and was the whole time was, was something that I had to, every time my mind would get going on these would, could, shoulds, it, I had to just remind myself of this and say, no, 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 that's not, that's not how it is. That's it. Rather, God was in control. And this was the life they were ordained to live before they were even formed in our wombs. So as we um, think about these secondary losses, we can just remind ourselves of that truth and hopefully with time come to calm down our thoughts and not have this be such a sting of pain for us as we think about what uh, where our children would be in our family um so next week i would like to talk this will be the last 
episode in our Complexity of Grief series, and I'm going to talk about our relationships, either the loss of our relationships or the change that happens in our relationships when we're grieving, how this can complicate our grief. And then after that, we'll take a small break, and then I'll be doing a series on Our Lady of Sorrows and the Seven Sorrows. Um, September is associated with Our Lady of Sorrows, and her feast day is on September 15th. So I will be sharing a series about her and breaking down her seven sorrows and how she really made, she really connected with me in a very personal way over the shared experience that she and I have, and she and you have of losing a child. So my hope is that this will help you to connect with her also. So um, if in the meantime, I would love it if you would come over to our Present in the Pain community, um, the link for which is on my website, but I'll also link it in the show notes. Um, and there is a place where we can talk about the podcast. You can share your own experiences. People aren't just asking questions about ways that they can remember their children And um, there's also, it's also the home of my online retreat. So if you want to go deeper beyond just what these podcast episodes are giving about these topics like secondary losses, like grieving with hope, like changes in our relationship, like trauma and how we can heal from it, that's the place where you'll find the tools to go deeper. And I'll link for that. I'll put the link for that in our show notes below. But until next week, I'm Eileen Tully. So thankful that you're here. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you did, please consider hitting subscribe and leaving a review so that other people are better able to find it. Also, if you're interested in becoming a supporter of the show in any amount, it would be helpful for maintaining the podcast hosting and production costs. Thanks for prayerfully considering that.